This is Blue Collar Culture, where you don't need ping pong tables, a cereal bar, or nap pots to attract and retain real A players. Join us where we speak with down-to-earth leaders that understand what it takes to win with a blue collar culture. Now here are your hosts, Jeremy McLiver and Ryan England. Being an entrepreneur can be really challenging a lot of the time. From dealing with customers, dealing with people problems, dealing with customer service, generating enough leads to actually grow your business. There's so many things as an entrepreneur we have to be involved in. Today's guest is actually going to help you solve all of those by introducing you to the five Ps. I'm Ryan England, your host. Today's guest has put together a process where he outlines the five Ps of business to help you get more out of your business so that you can actually go from having a business that owns you and consumes your time and takes you away from the things that are important to having a business that you love, that you enjoy, and that you're excited about because it's freed you up for the lifestyle you've always wanted. Today's guest is Pete Moore from Simplifying Entrepreneurship. He's got a book coming out soon, and I'm excited for today's episode. Pete, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me, Ryan. I'm excited for a good conversation here today. Yeah, I mean, we already got to talk a little bit. I can't wait to share some of the stuff you've already shared with me with our listeners. So same question I ask every guest because I want to know, we're here about, maybe the reason we come here is to really bring value to our listeners and break down some of these beliefs that they have that are really holding them back. So what is the biggest myth about the work that you do and the people you work with? I think the biggest myth really is that you have to be there to open your door every morning and close it every night. As uh, small business owners, I work with mainly small business owners, Ryan. And this idea that you have to be the first one in, you have to be the last one to leave, you have to be there for every decision, you have to be there for all the calls. It's your business, you own it, and you got to be there. Well, my philosophy is that you own your business and it shouldn't own you. So if you're feeling that you've got to be there for all that stuff, then hopefully you'll garner some actionable takeaways in our discussion here today. Hold on a second. So what you're telling me is I don't have to have this belief that if I want it done right, I'm the one that has to do it. Yeah. I don't have to believe that no one's going to care about my business more than me. I mean, that's what you're saying here. Like the reason I show up early and I'm first one in and last one out is because I care more than everybody else. That's not true. Well, I mean... I'm not saying you don't care more. I mean, most business owners do actually care uh, more than most of the people in their business, but that doesn't mean that that's the end all and be all because from that perspective, most of your team in my models, all the people that are with you, one of the P's, they do care. They do want to be part of it. All of this loyalty, there's this whole idea, the great resignation and all the stuff and everybody's piling out. We can get into sort of some chats around that, but really, I mean, The people that are with you do want you to succeed and they're doing everything they can to make that happen because when you succeed, they succeed. And this is this way of the future that people want to be part of this sort of thing behind them. They want to be part of the drive and they want to actually have accountability. And the old way is that every owner thought that nobody wanted accountability and that they needed to own the accountability. Well, in fact, everybody on your team does want accountability. They want to be able to make the calls. They want to have certain levels of delegation to, and they want to be able to address certain concerns for your clients and your customers and all that sort of stuff. It's such an important piece for those that are still in the past and thinking that nobody wants accountability. It's time to make the move and look at some of the structures around 
the fact that your team does want them and they do want, and it's your job to communicate what those are with clear process and clear sort of alignment of the culture and your promise, all of those different things. And I believe this too. I mean, people, they have this inner need, this drive to be led. Like they want someone to lead them. And I think that part of leading is holding people accountable and making sure they follow through and those kinds of things. That's that's great. You've already alluded to this a little bit, and I want to dig into this. You've already mentioned a, a P here. You got a few P's, and you've got this five P's process that you're working on, right? I want to know more about that because I know people's one of them. We've talked about that, and you know I'm passionate about the people side of things. But there's so much more to business than just the people. And I think one of the things we run into a lot when people come to me, they're like, hey, I need help hiring. Can you work with my recruiter? Can you work with my controller? Can you work with my office manager? I'm like, no, I can't. Because if you're struggling to hire and you're a small business, buck stops with you, buddy. If you are at the top of that organization and you are struggling to hire, the owner has to be involved. And I know you work with these owners, but a lot of times these owners, they get in the way. Like they are the ones holding the business back. So share with us the five Ps and let's talk about this a little bit. In the midst of writing a book right now around this concept, I'll give you the five Ps right off the bat. So the five Ps to help reduce your frustration and create more freedom in your business basically are these. Understanding your promise, aligning your product or service if you're a service-oriented business, your process, and your people so that you can enjoy the right amount of profit. And this alignment to the promise is the only way to profit. And the profit brings, with profit, brings freedom. I mean, you can buy back other people's time. You can enjoy some of the things that you want to do, not feel the pressures of having to manage your business instead of own your business, a lot of these different things. But everything always ties back to the promise. And this is one of the interesting things, Ryan, that I've seen over the last couple of years here is that as people have changed in the way that they deliver their services and the way that they market their services or products, and the consumer wants to receive them, they still are thinking that they want to deliver their promise in the same way they used to a couple of years ago. And I'm not saying if you're an electrician, we're talking to blue collar workers, and I'm from a blue collar background, had bathroom renovation companies and cleaning companies and all this kind of stuff. So I get it. But in the ways that you used to deliver is not necessarily the way that they want to be delivered to now. So understand what your promise is. I'm not saying you have to change your promise. You might have to tweak it. And here's how you develop a promise in very simple, easy language. What's the client's problem? What's your unique process to take them through their problem so that they can enjoy a better life? Because everybody buys a better life. doesn't matter what you do. You're always putting your money on the table when you buy a better life. So if that middle part there has changed for you in the last little while, that's such an important piece. And as small tweaks to your promise can really do big things in the rest of the alignment between your product, your process, and your people in order to deliver that and make your business and break through those glass ceilings that you were just chatting about. It's interesting how you put promise first. And I keep hearing you go back to the promise. The profit only comes when you have the promise. So many people are out there like, if you have good process, good people, good product, you'll have profit. But you keep saying this is this promise piece, which resonates with me because if you're familiar with my model, it's all about core. It's all about that culture, that emotional connection, which most people forget and they disregard. So I love that you're putting that promise in there. So is this one of the bigger things that's missing when entrepreneurs are struggling is they just don't have the promise figured out? Do you have to start there, I guess, is my question? Yeah, it has a start there. And it's not that it's 
not there. It's usually that it just needs a little massaging, a little tweaking, and just those small tweaks to change things. Like, let's say you're a painting company. And for the last longest time, your promise has been you deliver painting services. We can get to you and get you done within two weeks. Well, now you've changed things, but you haven't marketed that to all of your existing clients. Or maybe people want things done in one day instead of two weeks. The world around you changes depending on the competition, but your business also changes depending on all of the things that you're doing and your team and your product and all these different things, right? In the refinishing business, years ago, when I first started refinishing bathtubs, our cure process was 72 hours. Well, now you can jump in a bathtub after it being refinished after about two hours. That's a big difference. If clients don't know that, if people don't know that, if people don't know that you can offer these different services, think about the change in the way that that's all marketed over the course. I mean, this is 25 years ago, but nonetheless, I mean, it went from 72 hours and then we got one day cure products, 24 hours, and then we got four hour cure products. And now it's like two hour cure products. So in a hotel environment, they could rent the unit the same day, which in the past they had to close the room for three days, right? So just think of all of these different things. It's your job as the owner to always be looking ahead and trying to find these new things to bring them into your core product offering so that you can then change and tweak that promise a little bit if you need to, to make it even better than all the other people in your industry to do that. And then you're aligning and you're like, are you guys behind this? And when we talk about our people component, well, people component isn't just your ideal client and all that stuff. It's your ideal team member like you talk about. Yeah, of course, it's who aligns as far as your ideal people that you want to work with, but it's who do you want to work with for your team as well and for your suppliers. So we're always working through this, but how does that all happen with complete alignment to the promise? You started with talking about the painter. And as you're talking, like what's going through my head is like, well, part of this is target market. Part of this is where do you niche? Part of it's the product selection. But when you started, you said that everybody wants to improve their life or something like that, right? And I think about it, every time I'm buying something, I'm either buying it because I want something or I'm buying it to change something I don't want anymore. Those are the only two reasons I buy. And so I like that you transition that into the promise. One of the things that came to my mind when you were talking is, well, there's a market niche here. Like how much does niching play into this? I mean, if you're a plumber right now, I know guys that aren't legally allowed to be here or legally allowed to be in business that are plumbers, right? And I can go get their card at the coffee shop. So how are you any different? Like how much does niching and target market and really differentiating yourself play in that promise? I think it depends on your growth sort of aspirations and different things like that too. I mean, so many blue collar workers right now, Ryan, I mean, they're flat out. They're not looking for more work. They can't contain what they already have. They can't get the people on board to actually fulfill the needs of their clients. So they may not be looking at the marketing side of things as much as they are, I need to bring in more people. But in order to bring in more people, you have to actually market to them. And they have to actually believe that they can help you with your promise. So until your promise is super core and clear, that's how you attract these people coming in. And they're like, oh, that's the guy that does the two-hour cure, not the 72-hour cure. I think he is going to lead the way. So I want to be part of that. There's that alignment again that you've been talking about, making sure it's all aligned. It has to happen like right through all of these different stages. Your clients, the same thing. Your team, the very same thing. When you have that alignment, 
you can then sort of lose this whole idea of the great resignation because people are actually coming to you. They're not leaving you. They're coming to you. And your job as the leader is really to continuously promote that promise every day. This is what we do. This is why we do it. And I'm just communicating that all the time. Everything centers around that promise. I mean, that's what I'm hearing. Like when you have the promise figured out and you've made those tweaks and those adjustments, your product will be better. Your people will be better. I imagine it's going to impact your process so that you're actually delivering to your clients, right? Your customers, what you promised them. So that promise is really center to everything. As an entrepreneur, okay, I like this idea. And we started this with, you want to work with people that really want to own their business, not have a business own them, right? I mean, this sounds huge, right? Like, how do I make that first step? Like, what's the thing I got to do to start figuring this promise piece out? We kind of laid it out there. Understand what their problem is. So their problem may have changed, right? And one of the problems we're hearing a lot right now is, no contractor can get to see me for three months, let alone three days. So can you design your promise so that you can deliver a three-day service? Think about the problems that you're hearing on the phone every day, the problems when people are calling, all of those, they're problems. So understand the problems and find the structure to combat those problems because that's going to lead you to the profit. And if you can do things in a different way, that's going to take people through in the way that they want it to happen. One of the things when we ran our refinishing business for bathrooms and kitchens was we did a lot of commercial work, not so much residential, but a ton of commercial work. And we showed up on time every time. That was like a core promise for us, right? Because almost all of my competitors, they would say, okay, we're going to come in on Tuesday morning to do the bathroom. And so the property manager would give notice to the tenant and the tenant would be taking their day off work and everything. And the guy wouldn't show up. It was a huge, huge, huge frustration for the property manager that they were willing to pay a few dollars more to avoid because we weren't the cheapest game, but we did show up every time, like with rare exception. We were in a thousand units a year and I wouldn't think we missed five a year after we had booked it. So that leads me to a question that's not one of your five P's, but is one of the P's of marketing, right? Is pricing. Like you said, you mentioned we worked at a painter and he's like, I'm not the cheapest gig in town. I mean, he'd be double digit percentages higher, 60% higher than the next closest bid. And he goes, but here's the deal. I can be there this month. That's what I'm saying. That's his promise. And people are like, I will take it because I need to get it done this month. So how does pricing play into this? Like, where does that show up? When you were asking about niching, I mean, you can niche your promise and affect your pricing depending upon that sort of thing. And when you're as busy as you are right now, as most contractors are, I've got two sons in the trades right now and they're flat out. Everybody seems to be. So why not raise your pricing? I mean, you raise the pricing until you're not busy. <laughs> I'm with you. I get it. You'd be foolish not to. Yeah. Supply and demand goes right. Supply and demand. And if it gets slower again, then you start rebidding some of your work and looking at some other stuff. And it's like, I can afford to bring my price down from $1,000 to $900 now because we're actually at that, we've actually maxed our profit level, which is that fifth B, right? You're adjusting all these things, right? And that's your job as the leader to be adjusting these things in order to create the business that you want. And here's the thing. You got into business years ago, maybe last year, but maybe 10 years, a year ago, whatever the case is. 
and you had this dream, you had these freedoms that you wanted, and you didn't want to work for somebody else. So what are those freedoms? Are they being delivered to you? And are you enjoying them? Because if you were just working 50 hours a week, 60 hours a week, you might as well go work for somebody else. Yeah, it is true. There are a lot easier ways to make money than own your own business. So let me ask you this. I'm a process guy. I'm a people guy. And I'm sitting here thinking about this entrepreneur. You know, They've been in business for a few years. They're making a good couple million dollars a year in revenue, but they are just burning out. I mean, they're first one there, last one out, missing their kids' games, not spending time with their family. You know the story, right? You know the drill. So from you, I've heard, okay, you got to get clear on this promise. Does the promise dictate the other four Ps or do the other four Ps dictate the promise? Help me understand the order here. Typically starts with the promise and then you're aligning your service or your product, which is the second P, to that, right? So if I was going to say, I'll just flip it back to bath refinishing again, right? So my 72-hour cure product was cheaper than my, at the time, four-hour cure product. Well, I could have aligned that to a promise, but my promise was I wanted to be in and out so they could use it in a day. That was my promise. So with that, I'm using the higher end product and I'm charging a higher end price, getting back to the price, right? And our process, which is that middle P, the so important one, is different as well because it has to actually work with the whole thing. My process of even getting in and getting into that unit, aligning that unit, making sure that we get it all finished and cocked and ready and all that stuff. Because before we'd go back the next day and rip off all the paper and caulk it and everything. So the process changed. It's okay. The process just has to align with the promise. And the process is in a very, very important piece that often precedes the people portion. That's the big thing here. If the process is wrong, you not always are going to get the right person. A hundred percent with you on that one. I mean, that's why I say that the owner's got to be involved in the recruiting process and engaging the people process. Because if the leaders aren't involved in building the process, you're never going to find the right people to run it. So this is an interesting piece because I believe, and you tell me if I need to change my belief on this, but the two things that hold owners back from being able to really enjoy the lifestyle they want and get out of the business is they don't have a good process and they don't have good people to run their good processes. Like those are the two things. Like if you fix process and people, owners can actually enjoy a great lifestyle. Is that fair? It's fair. So long as it's aligned with the promise, you're good. Love that. All right. So what's something that our listeners can do to really start working on this process so that they can start getting some of their lifestyle back? Because we've already figured out the promise. We figured out the product. We threw some pricing in there, right? To make sure that we're staying profitable. How do we do this process piece? So think about your process. There are a ton. And one of the biggest problems, Ryan, is that in most small businesses, in blue collar businesses, a lot of the processes are still here. And I know we're not listening or we're not watching on video. I'm pointing to my head. If the processes are in your head as the owner and not on paper and not on video and not in a way that all of your team can absorb and understand, then you've got some work to do. And that process, it's not only on how you deliver your product or your good or your service, it's how you hire, it's how you fire, it's how you bookkeep, it's how you arrange your accounts receivable and your accounts payable. It's all of these different things. They have to be specifically outlined in as much detail as possible so that anybody can actually read your process manual or watch the video or whatever when you're not there and do it. If it's not at that level of process completion, then you still have some work to do. And I can venture to say as 
somebody who is in that business and somebody that works with that business, that most of the listeners here have some of that in place. And a lot of it needs a little bit of help and a little bit of work. And here's another thing. It seems overwhelming. It's like, oh my God, there's so much to do. Well, don't do it all. Start with one thing. Start with your hiring process. Start with your firing process. Start with your accounts receivable. It's like, okay, I'm going to actually look at accounts receivable in my aging report every Monday morning at eight o'clock and go through that and make my calls or do whatever I need to do to make sure that the money's coming in. Because every business, we all know, business fails based on cash flow. So pretty important process to be watching what's coming in every week, right? So all of these things judge on the importance of the process. Start with those, the small ones that you can do to change the way that you run your business so that everything's in alignment. And if you change and tweak one little process a week, at the end of the next year, you're going to have 52 processes tweaked. And that's so much better than where you're sitting right now. It reminds me, I read this in one of Mike Michalowicz's book. I don't know if you've read any of his books, but Clockwork, he talks about how do you get those processes out of your head? And this is for all the listeners out there. This is something I do too. Everybody has a camera now. We're all videographers. Take your phone, set it up in selfie mode, get to work and just think out loud and just record it and send it to your team and go, here's how I look at the AR report. I mean, if you want your screen on it, you have your screen on it, but like just record it, just think out loud and there's your process and it's documented. It's great. Throw it in a G drive that's shareable for everybody or something like that. And it's there. Here's a video. Go watch it. Is it perfect? No, but I don't think you're saying it has to be perfect. Progress, not perfection, right? Exactly. I mean, here's the thing. There are no perfect processes or very few, but we're always trying to perfect them. And that's what I'm saying. Like, I completely agree with you, Ryan. Just get something down and you can go back and tweak it a little bit later. But if it's not down and if it's in your head and nobody's watching, but I don't have any here on the top of my head. I've already pulled it all out. I've been through this kind of stuff. And the big thing, there are so many easy tools now. Loom is one of my very favorite. I send emails by Loom all the time. I'm sending stuff by Loom all the time. You can record yourself, record your screen, all of this stuff. It's so simple. Download it, pop it in into a G drive that's shareable for whoever needs. Everybody can access it wherever they are. I mean, there's so many ways of managing process. The biggest thing is that don't let it overwhelm you. Start with something small and just keep it going because as you're aligning the process, now you can align accountability and that's where freedom comes, right? Because until you have honed your processes, you can't actually assign them. So here's another issue that I've had with one of my recent clients where she was saying, I've hired a marketing manager and she's been a marketing manager before. So I thought she was just going to come in and run my marketing department. Well, without any guidance or process of what was expected, there has to be sort of layout of expectations and things. You can't just assign somebody because they've done something before something. It has to be an involvement and a process there so that they can actually understand what you're expecting of them before they actually go and do the work as well. So, I mean, there's a bit of give and take around. You can't just assign accountability and then see you later. I tell entrepreneurs all the time, if you hire somebody and they fail within the first 90 days of employment, they don't meet your expectations, you need to go look in the mirror and say, it's my fault. Because they got to be onboarded. They have to understand what are your expectations. You have no idea what their prior work history was like, like what the real environment was like. Yeah, I tell people all the time, past performance is not an indicator of future success because they might've worked for a guy that didn't care. 
And they looked awesome, but the company was bleeding, right? Their work looked awesome because nobody cared. So definitely spend the time with them. You know, the other thing too, I think this is something with those processes you're talking about. You had said earlier, I think that a lot of times people do care. Your team does care. Ask them for help. I know it's hard to do it, but it's like, hey, can you help me put together the AR process? Can you document what you do? Send it to me and I'll be like, ooh, I like that. Or ooh, here are the tweaks I'd make. You can leverage your team to build these processes in a way that you probably never thought was possible and get them done. I love that. It's something that I absolutely do. I don't write process for my team. They write process and we kind of go through it together and tweak it. So I couldn't have said it better myself. I think that is an awesome way to do it. And basically it's like, what do you do today? Like, what do you do every day if you're not in it every day with them? So just ask them, what do you do every day? Like list it down, do a little video, whatever the case is, because if you go away on vacation, I mean, things happen. And if you have to take off a month of work because whatever happened, we need to be able to fulfill the process of your job every day. And it has to be in a position that somebody else can take it over. So when we talk about continuity and business structure, are you going to let down your promise because this one person broke a hip and couldn't come into work for the next month? You have to think about some of these things and make sure that your process and alignment, and this is the other next after the process is the people, right? So if you have the process down for that person's position, who's next in line? Do they actually know, have that person next in line? If something happened to that person, actually ever done any of that? Have you let them go through the process once or twice so that if they ever had to do it, they'd know how to do it? I think you're talking about the third person, like somebody else, but what if it's me as the entrepreneur? And I break a hip and I got to be out for a month. Is business going to go under? Like if you can't walk away from your business for a month to take care of whatever, you're never going to sell it. No one's ever going to buy that kind of business because they don't want to buy a business for someone that's created a job. It's really what that is. I love how you break this down. The thing that's different for me is it starts with that promise. And then once you've got the promise figured out, then you build everything else around that. I think that's really great. So your book's coming out later this year, right? Working for a fall release here, either September 1 or October 1. Okay. All right. So you'll be listening to this well before the book comes out. Make sure to check that out. But for people that are like, you know what? I want to know more about this. How do they get a hold of you? And you've got a free giveaway for our listeners as well. Tell me about that. So best way to catch me on my website, it's a long one, but it's called Simplifying Entrepreneurship. So simplifyingentrepreneurship.com. That's where you'll find the free download. Go figure, right? But it's an assessment. And right on the top right-hand corner of simplifyingentrepreneurship.com. And the assessment really, it's a great tool. And it takes you about 12 minutes to do it, 40 or so, multiple choice questions. But at the end of that, what it does is it spits you back, depending on how you answer, between 50 and 60 page PDF document and a green, I love this sort of idea of green lights and red lights as far as dashboarding stuff. So it green lights the stuff that you're doing like awesome with, and it's giving you a pat on the back and it's red lighting some of these other areas that you might need to think about some of the things you want to work on over the next year. It gives you clarity on where you should be focusing and what you should be doing and what you're doing really well. And from that perspective, it's a great spot to start your learning, start your ideas, start the flow of the different things that you need to do to improve your business. And whether you're hiring Ryan or hiring me or any other coaches out there in order to help you with that sort of stuff. That's the idea here. Just get those things going. That's great. And I just love that you've got a tool in place that they can just know what's that next step I need to take. Because this doesn't get solved overnight. 
if your business is draining you and you're exhausted and burnt out and just like, hey, I want to get out of it. Like what you said, a lot of people sell their businesses or want to sell because they don't want it anymore. Yeah. It's like, I'm tired of this. I don't want to do this anymore. <laughs> yeah. But I think it's great that you've got a tool there or they could probably even reach out to you through your website and say, hey, I'd love some help. And I'm sure you'd coach them through some things. So Pete, so much information packed in this episode right now just those five P's and how we really broke it down. I really enjoyed it. Thought it was really great. Thanks for being a guest on the show today. Been a pleasure. Thanks for having me, Ryan. Really enjoyed our conversation. The Blue Collar Culture Podcast is sponsored by bluecollarculture.com. We help entrepreneurs create a healthy culture and build a self-managing business. To learn more, go to bluecollarculture.com.